Welcome to Smart Muslimer Podcast. Inshallah, if you find this podcast episode useful, please subscribe and tell your friends and family about Smart Muslimer. Also, good news, I have a newsletter and that's how we can stay in touch. To subscribe, please go to smartmuslimer.com. Details are also in the podcast notes. In the newsletter, I'll be sharing my book recommendations, productivity tips and online courses that I've created and also information about a new book that I'm writing called Smart Single Muslimer. Inshallah, it will help you to transform the way you approach love and relationships. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back. If you're new here, my name is Farhat Amin. And in this season, we are looking at the Islamic perspective on love, marriage and relationships. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so. And um, that way you'll get notified whenever a new episode is uploaded. So why are some Muslims allowing racism to dictate who they marry? This is a question I had previously never really thought about. And honestly, it's because I, had no fa- I hadn't faced this problem when it came to marriage. However, since speaking to sisters who are Somali, Jamaican, African-American, they were raising it and um, I've realised that it is a real problem in our communities. But you may be thinking, why should I care? Is it really such a big deal? Is it just a few bad apples who won't consider black Muslim sisters when it comes to marriage? Now, the reason why we need to think about this is because racism, as you know, is an alien idea when it comes to Islam. You know, you can't be a racist Muslim or a white supremacist Muslim. You know, that it's an oxymoron. And what's interesting is you can be a white supremacist and be a Western liberal. Yeah. And you have states, Western liberal states that are propagating white supremacy. So there's this really interesting article that I'd suggest you you read, which um, elaborates more on this topic. It's called Intolerance at the Heart of Liberalism. It's on the website traversingtradition.com. And I'm just going to read a little bit from there. And this crusading spirit of liberalism is unsurprising. The ideology was closely associated with a Darwinian belief that both Europeans and their culture had a duty to civilise and tame the savagery of other world civilizations. Rather, this racial and cultural superiority undergirded early liberalism. Immanuel Kant, Voltaire and Jean-Jacques Rousseau all supported, sorry, suffered from the hubristic ailments of liberal superiority. Kant, who was responsible for developing the early notions of democratic peace, suggested in his writings on the destiny of races that the race of the white contains all talents and motives in itself and that the race of Negroes can be educated but only to the education of servants and that Native Americans are uneducatable, um, care for nothing and are lazy. So um, I'd 
seriously, you need to read that article. It's on traversing tradition and it's in the intolerance at the heart of liberalism. Okay, so we've got, that's, they're, you know, the, the respected figures and thinkers of liberalism. That's, they were racist and you can research this more yourself. However, conversely, in the Quran, Allah teaches us that no one is superior to another person solely because of their skin colour. When we think, um, if we think our light brown skin is better than our sister's dark brown skin, we have adopted the same mindset as guess who? Shaitan. When he said to Allah um, in the Surah, Surah 7, Ayah 12, he, Allah said, what prevented you from prostrating when I ordered you? He, Shaitan said, I am better than he, Adam. You created me from fire and created him from mud. And then in Surah 38, I 76, he, Shaitan said, I am better than he. You created me from fire and created him from clay. So can you see, he, it was his arrogance and just the mere fact that he was made from smokeless fire. He, that he thought he was better. So isn't that isn't that exactly how racists think? And so this is I I guess in this episode, I really want us to question that when it comes to marriage, are we holding on to and have we adopted some racist ideas? Now no one's born a racist, are we? Everyone's born pure and on the fitra. Um, so we have to ask, um, who are we adopting racist ideas from? Because it's come from somewhere, hasn't it? And part of the blame definitely has to come from the racist, secular societies that we're living in. And when I say secular, it means that you take God out of the equation, take God out of lawmaking, which is exactly what happens in um, Britain and France and Europe. Um, and so that's what you've got, you know. Um, and so, you, you know, we all know what's happening in France at the moment. And it is, it's a very racist society, and it's um, particularly to Muslims, but it's racist to other cultures. And so what you have in America and European societies, they are racist. We're living in racist societies. We shouldn't have you under, under any illusion. I don't care what they teach us at school and teachers say it and society says it. But, you know, um, the killing of George Floyd just illustrated it really blatantly. And all these other cases and um, that have come out, that, that are, you know, now being spoken about. But um, so, you know, they only pay lip service to anti-racism and we just need to look into the history. Historically, they colonised and enslaved black people and, you know, other cultures and native people. And once black people settled in the US and Europe, they've continued to face racist attacks and discrimination. You know, I'm thinking UK, think of Stephen Lawrence, think of the signs that used to be outside um, pubs and hotels and has no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. You can you can Google that, that used to exist. So they, they were very blatant in expressing that. You know, um, there was a really interesting documentary on BBC, it's called Black is the New Black, and it had famous black celebrities and personalities, so thinkers, um, scientists, actors, writers, you know, anyone who's kind of made it in Britain, and they're black. And they were talking about, the first episode was all about their childhood and their family. And just hearing them talk about all the racism that their parents had to face, the segregation, the you know, not getting jobs, getting discriminated against this one actor. Um, he said when he was eight years old, he went to a Leeds 
um, United match and he was called the N-word. Like literally, he said it was like hundreds of them were shouting and chanting it at him. And he was only eight. So he's a little kid. What can he do to them? And he, he had to leave. And it was really heartbreaking hearing that. But I think we should we should hear and watch those things because we can forget. We can easily forget that this is what's going on. Um, so now even, and it's interesting, even when um, people are ready to embrace, you know, the values, and that's what was really interesting, hearing about these immigrants, they said that, you know, because they came from Commonwealth countries like Ghana and Nigeria, they said they knew so much about Britain and British history and the political system, and they were shocked at how, and they were asked to come here, that's what's really interesting, they were asked to come to Britain, um, and they were shocked by how much um, English people hated them and were racist. And it's interesting, even and they really that illustrates how even when you're ready to accept um, living in um, a liberal country like Britain, they won't embrace you and accept you until you are willing to give up your colour, your cultural norms, your creeds, and they'll um, they'll you'll only be accepted if you accept you are grateful and you recognise that you are inferior to them. That, that's what they want. It's that kind of tipping your hat idea. Um, and so now, so the other thing I just wanted to quickly mention is that how are black people in general, um, um, how do we view them, our vision of them, um, how is it being coloured by popular culture? And I'll talk about this with the guest that I'm, um, Nyla, who I have to say, her, she's a... Um, her name's Nyla Dean, she's from US, and it was an article she wrote called The Hidden Racism of the Muslim Marriage Market that I read. It's on aljazeera.com. I was reading that and I thought I'd love to speak to her, and alhamdulillah, she was, um, she's agreed to come on. Um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about how, how popular culture stereotypes um, black people as criminals, and how if you're lighter skinned, then you get somewhere. So you think of, you know, uh, black models and black actors um, and actresses who they get more work if they're fair-skinned. Um, so this is factual. This isn't just like some, you know, us making this up. And um, so really, so inshallah, in the, when um, when I speak, I, I hope through this episode that we really get to think about, um, we need to wake up the fact that non-Muslim societies are conditioning us to dislike black people. I, I actually believe that's a fact now. And so when it comes to marriage in particular, and so therefore a, a Pakistani mother has no problem with saying to her son, no, you can't marry a Somali Muslim girl. Yeah, quite barefaced, say it. And this un-Islamic mentality is a reason why Muslim women are finding it difficult to get married. As you know, it's becoming, you know, in the previous episodes, we've spoken about how it's become difficult for Muslim sisters to get married so I guess, I, so inshallah, in this episode, my question really is, why are we allowing racism into our decision-making process? Could you do with some relationship advice? If so, then you need to sign up to my newsletter at smartmuslima.com and I will send you my ebook called Learn Your Love Languages. It teaches you how to communicate better with your loved ones. So there's no reason to wait. Sign up to my newsletter today, inshallah.
Assalamu alaikum, Naila, and welcome. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you so much for having me. Alhamdulillah. Um, pleasure is all mine. Um, Jazakallah khair for taking the time uh, to speak, you know, to me. I know it's early in the US. Um, so, yeah, so your article that you wrote in Al Jazeera, what made you want to write that? Yeah, so I've been working on this book um, for a while uh, about how American Muslim women meet um, their their partner, um, about love and marriage uh, in the uh, contemporary, you know, American context. Um, and I really noticed that, you know, people um, were, were having the same difficulties that I was. Um, I, for the book, I was interviewing uh, women from across the U.S. Um, and I was noticing that they were facing three challenges um, in meeting a, a good Muslim man, um, sexism, ageism, and racism, the third of which affected me the most. Um, and so in, in a time in which uh, that the issue of racism is such a hot button topic, um, Al Jazeera was, was really interested in hearing the perspective of, of what it's like to you know find someone as a black um, Muslim woman. So, yeah. So you're saying, so it's, ageism sexism and racism those three yes and and so would you say racism is the is the biggest that's the biggest problem you face yes definitely um i well i mean it, i it's one of the biggest problems i i think because there's so many different um constraints around you know people who who people want to marry it's broken down by ethnicity and, and race and um you know there's so many people within these different dating apps or um, matchmakers or even just, you know, meeting people through the mosque where, you, you know, you want to approach someone, um, but then you find out that they are only looking for one type of person, which is, it's their, you know, their ethnicity. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're seeing so many Muslim women that aren't getting married. Yeah. It, it's what I see, um, you know, amongst a lot of my friends that are, African or, or Black American, and mm -hmm. I, I think it's a, definitely a leading cause. I don't know if it's the biggest um, issue, yeah. but it's a leading cause. Well, well, it's a big, well, it's an issue that you you're noticing a lot, and and it's true that when I've spoken to um, uh, sisters from African countries or you know the, you know um, descend to any any kind of basically Black Muslim sister, um, they raise that as well, uh, and I guess that. I guess one of the ways to know whether that is true is that did you find that even when you were younger, um, races, you know, your ethnicity was an issue? Yeah. Um, you, well, so within uh, like growing up in, in primarily Dallas in a largely South Asian um, masjid, um, you know, I, I did have, I did notice that there was definitely some separation, like segregation self-segregation really amongst people um in our town we would have like an arab mosque we had a, a somali mosque and then we had the south asian mosque primarily um and so i, would, I would noticed that you know muslims would self-segregate um i i also know that my dad who um you know was youth director for a time at one of the, the um the mosque he was having a hard time you know being able to run his programs constantly you know, feeling, you know, receiving a lot of difficulty navigating the political system within, within the mosque. Mm -hmm. And it, I really, we really do think it was because, you know, he wasn't, you know, South Asian or Arab. 
um, like, you know, in, plus being a convert that, you know, he was a convert um, that also like kind of discredited his anything that he had to kind of say. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in those regards within the Muslim community, I would definitely say um, that there, you know, that I, that's when I was witnessing the differences, um, you know, amongst different Muslims, have, the treatment. Right, I see, because, because your background is that your, is, is your mom Latino? She, she's half um, Honduran, half Black American. Yes. Oh, okay, mashallah. And then, and your father is, is um, African American? Yes, that's right. Okay, mashallah. So that's a really lovely mix, alhamdulillah. That's quite, is that unusual? Is that an unusual kind of marriage of two ethnicities or is that kind of normal? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I'd say it happens, but it's definitely, you know, not the, you know, it's unusual, maybe not that much today, but maybe back in the day, sure. Right, yeah, yeah. So then, because, so then when you were growing up, I'm, 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 I'm interested also in like when generally growing up in, growing up in the US, did, did you find, um, did you face much racism from non-Muslims or were, were you, was it okay for you? Yeah, I would say racism, you know, in the U.S. comes in two forms. It's extremely blatant, and then it's very subtle in the form of microaggressions. Um, but I definitely faced the more subtle version um, within, you know, school growing up, um, you know, not sometimes not getting placed in, in honors classes um, immediately, the, you know, the, the administration dragging it out, thinking that I, I should be in, you know, the, the non-advanced class or, um, you know, hearing things on the playground from, from little kids um, in like very white suburban towns. Um, and then, you know, growing up, you know, getting older, uh, trying to find an apartment in, in the suburbs of Boston, um, having difficulty there. And then in the workplace as well, not getting certain promotions. Um, that, that's been a really, you know, very shocking reality of, of having to deal with it in very small work forms and and sometimes not always knowing that that's the reason especially since you know I wear hijab and you know have darker skin so it's it could be the Islamophobia aspect as well sometimes you really just don't know um mm. but I, I definitely say it, it comes in the form of you know a lot of microaggressions mm. yeah this is it if I think for anyone who is not um black they can't appreciate what you guys go through um because it's because we um we don't face it and it's i think it's um really important to educate ourselves about and listen to sisters like yourself when you say these things and not just say oh you're overreacting or you're being too sensitive i find it odd when people make excuses when you think why don't you just listen to what they've got to say they have no reason to make this up they, they don't want sympathy they'd just like you to, to you should be aware these are your sisters this is what they're going through and I really do think you, you did hit the nail on the head. You don't know, is this, is this racism or is it Islamophobia that I'm being, you know, subjected to here? You know, because they, they never tell you when they, a prejudiced person doesn't say to you, oh, by the way, I'm being racist now. And later exactly. on, I'm going to be Islamophobic. Exactly. And I feel like that also comes up in the marriage context. Like, sometimes you just don't know if that's the reason why, you know, someone's parents said no. They'll never say that. They'll, they'll use terms like, in my article, I, I told about a story about, you know, someone's parents rejecting me because, you know, say, using the word um, incompatible, um, but, you know, not really defining what, what that means, um, you know, for them. And so just, you know, little things like you, you really don't ever know because people won't say, it, you know, 
very explicitly. Um, it's all in context. And so, yeah, like sometimes it's like you carry this burden around people think that, you know, you're being, you're too sensitive. You're, you're going, you know, you're, you're doing too much. I'm assuming the worst of people, but there's lots of euphemism so you're not compatible or you won't fit in with our family or okay you don't speak the language or you're mm -hmm. not, you don't understand our culture and the mm -hmm. thing is that um okay um we're not saying that all muslims are racist but the fact i know for a fact and you know for a fact because i'm pakistani i know 100 percent there are there are racist views in amongst Pakistanis towards black Muslims, but they won't, and that's interesting, they won't say it blatantly because they know it's haram. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they will never say that, maybe really privately, privately, and I've heard people say it really privately, so they, and they will be, they're just like, nope, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that girl or that boy, it's just because they're not, um, it's because they're black. And, and, right. and they don't have the same problem with white converts or white looking Muslims who mm -hmm. aren't Pakistani. Um, and anyone who's Pakistani or Bengali or Indian, because I think we're all kind of similar, this mentality, mm -hmm. they will know I'm, I'm not making this up. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, and, and the point is, it's not from Islam. It's an alien idea, racism and, and that kind of superiority complex. Um, and so I guess, the, so the thing is that now it's interesting that to, um, to understand where are we, if it's not coming from Islam, where is it coming from? And so, um, you know, like I've got a couple ideas. So, for example, um, you know, although it's interesting, since the Black, Black Lives Matter, the, the issue came up a few months ago, there you did see on TV, on uh, even on places like on BBC, they had all these um, uh, basically black uh, um, programs by black people, mm -hmm. um, you know, showcasing actors or like basically pushing saying that, you know, look, no, we are not racist and we will showcase. And then even on, for example, Etsy of all places, they had um, black owned shops and buy from black owned sellers. Mm -hmm. But now the thing is, but the thing is, there's this underlying, um, do you think there's still this underlying thing that black is not good enough or black is not beautiful? Do, do you think that still ex that exists in society? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say that, you know, within the U.S. context, um, generally, Hollywood representation still isn't where it needs to be in terms of diversity. Um, so, you know, the images we see in our magazines or on television and um, movies, I, I think that affects us how we operate in a day-to-day -day sense of like the, the, the biases that we have about people, about what's what's beautiful and what's not, um, what's what's inherently good or not. I think that plays into, into everything and it's in the background. Can I, can I, so for example, what's like what, an example of a movie or TV show where you really didn't like the way they were portraying black people? Um, that's a good question. Um, I can't think of anything necessarily in the top of my head right now, but I, I would say a popular one that gets a lot of criticism is Friends. Um, you know, from the, the 90s, like sitcom. Um, it's not something that I have really ever watched, but that's something that does come up like where, you know, that wasn't that long ago. Why, why couldn't they have one, you know, main character that was not white? Yeah, um, that's, true. that's true. They, I don't even think they had a love interest that was black, you know, I'm trying to think. Right. Um, right. But also, isn't there this, is, there's a very, like, I remember growing up watching when, when there were black 
people, characters in programs, they were either drug dealers, they were mugging people, they basically were criminals. Mm -hmm. They were all, they were singing and dancing. Um, There was a really interesting, I can't remember, I think it's on Netflix, it was the history of black people on TV, the portrayal, and it was really the way that, you know, in the olden times they had, again, they'd allow um, black people to be singers and dancers or comedy mm-hmm. or that you know like in the comedy they were always dumb mm-hmm. it was really derogatory i was like i couldn't believe that that existed like really stupid and then um and then it showed how things progressed uh, but there but um yeah it's always very negative i've noticed now i don't now i wonder if it seems like th- what the way it's conveyed to us now is that, oh no everything is equal now that um and they'll you'll point to Kanye West and Beyonce and I can't think of any other Rihanna. Um, mm-hmm. You know they've made it. You know they you can make it. But um, for your average person, like do you you know you're you're still experiencing discrimination, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and so the thing is that so and the reason why I'm talking about that is that for um, like Muslims, we're living in UK, US, Europe, and we are this negative portrayal we are absorbing it these ideas about um black people in general and then about our fellow muslims we subtly without realizing we're um absorbing these ideas and so even the idea of in particular that um dark skin is not beautiful you know that's something that um i really see that in in um, south asian culture okay there's colorism but there's but then this is separate this is um disliking people that I don't want like I've heard I've heard an auntie say this to me that I don't want my grandchildren to be dark mm. you know and things like that and you think I can't believe you just you, um but Allah made it or our colors you know if you say that say yeah yeah I know but I still don't want it's like no it's not beautiful um mm. and so like, I'd like there's a really good article it's called intolerance at the heart of liberalism it's um on the website traversing tradition and um, I'm just going to read, um, well, it, it basically is talking about the whole idea of superiority of whiteness. Like we've heard of white supremacy, but just, but the way that Muslims seem to absorb it is that um, um, white, white and fairness is very beautiful and that's what we should aim for. Um, and, and where that comes from is colonization. Um, do, do, you, do you agree with that? Do you think colonization has got a big part to play um, in our decision making? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, you know, our communities are still, um, you know, largely made up of immigrant, um, you know, household, or at least someone in the household, you know, is from, has immigrated to the U.S. Um, I, I think that, uh, w- you know, whatever they were, whatever country they were brought up in, um, they were, you know, they have to deal with the consequences of colonization from so, you know, so many years ago. Um, it it's, remains in the form of, you know, skin uh, lightening creams, um, uh, you know, fair, you know, fair is lovely kind of situation on, on television or just in society of, of, you know, making sure that people stay out of the sun and just little things that make, make up, um, a, a decision of, of what is is beautiful and what is not it's, it's all from you know white white folks having te- taken over people's you know lands for so so many years 
Um, and I, I think that past continues to haunt uh, people today, even, even in the U.S., because people have just brought that, those kind of um, cultural mindsets over to the U.S. And, and have raised their family in a certain way, not really knowing that they're carrying around those burdens, um, but, you know, that baggage, and just weaving it into American, um, you know, kind of culture, in American Muslim mind, like culture. And, and so then you have these, these young men that are, you know, have, have been brought up in a very westernized way, but still like within their homes, they have a little bit of this idea of what, what they think is beautiful, what they've been told is beautiful. And, and that's, you know, it comes in the, it comes out when they're looking for marriage prospects. Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel like it's definitely goes back, you know, historically. Hmm. Because one thing, um, you know, it would be reasonable for someone to, to say to you that, um, you can't expect, like if a guy, let's say his mum says, I'm going to disown you, you know, I'm going to have nothing to do with you if you marry, um, a girl who, you know, a girl who I don't want to ma- you, know, you to marry and, and she's, she's a black sister, mm-hmm. that, in, in a way, it's quite, they're put in quite a difficult situation by their mum or their parents. So it's how would you, because we're not saying to anyone, disobey your parents and cause, you know, like rifts. And that's not what we're saying at all. Mm-hmm. But what would you, um, I guess, uh, how would, how can we encourage people to, um, it, you know, like be a bit more like think, no, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to rock the boat. I'm going to no, forget rock the boat. I'm going to take kind of a principled stand here because, you know, there's emotional blackmail, but sometimes parents don't, they don't, they're not going to go through with it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it, what advice would you give to people who are thinking, oh, I, I know I should do this, shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't allow racism to affect my choosing a partner but my family are going to give me hell if I do. Right. Yeah, I would definitely say, um, you know, be strong in your conviction and knowing that um, Allah does not, you know, uh, allow racism and to come into any decision-making with, within our lives. Like if you're following the path, um, that, sh- that shouldn't even be a, a, a thought about, you know, what preferring one ethnicity or race of, over another and and that whatever decision you you know whatever person you bring that maybe they're outside of your culture or your 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 race um you know you should know that when you're speaking to your parents that you you are on the the right side um the side of that our rasul has has told us to be about not favoring one color over it or the other um and that your parents if they're good muslims like they're going to see that maybe it takes a few conversations maybe it takes um, like any imam coming in and, and discussing to them like why their you know why their idea why their fears are, are you know inaccurate um, and why they're based in something as ugly as racism um, and to, to get them to come through and see, see the other side of things um, I would say to not give up but but yeah I, I do think it's a very big test that they have to deal with um, and I, I don't um, you know I don't necessarily fault anyone that doesn't want to bother with you know, standing against their parents and like causing disharmony in their family. Like I, I do respect that. Um, I just think that in the current marriage crisis where we're both sides, like men and women are having a really hard time getting married and then keeping, you know, within the bounds of, of our, the restrictions like set in our, in Islam, that we should be more open um, and we can't set those types of restrictions on ourselves. 
um, because, you know, we need to stay strong as an OMA, especially in the West. Yeah, this is it that, that we do. You're right. There is a marriage crisis. That isn't um, an exaggeration because, um, and the thing is that by, it's like you're like totally cutting in half the whole, you know, like the whole number of people that you could consider by, by saying, no, I'm not going to, this race, whole race, no, I'm not going to even look at them. Right. Um, and the thing is that you're right, that at the end of it, we have to ask ourselves, um, that, um, how are things going to change if we're not going to, even if we, you know, like this is in a way we can see this, this is an opportunity to talk about racism, that when we, if there's this underlying racism in our family or in our, you know, even in our, um, amongst our cousins or in, in our families, that having, just having a discussion, let's say you're not even, you know, like I would suggest to listeners that even if you're not thinking marrying someone from a different race, but just start talking about the fact that it's okay, you know, we should, we shouldn't be so close-minded and how, and that, you know, whose sunnah are we following? Because there's a lovely hadith, um, Abu Nadra reported, the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa said in the final days of the pilgrimage, we, we, we all know, we've heard this um, sermon, O people, your Lord is one, your father, Adam, is one, there is no favour of an Arab over a foreigner, not a foreigner over an Arab. And neither white skin over black skin, nor black skin over white skin, except by righteousness. Have I not delivered the message? And then there's also the, another hadith, Abu Dhar reported that the Prophet said, Behold, verily, you have no virtue over one with white skin or black skin, except by favour of righteousness. So the thing that makes us good, and, and in the sight of Allah, values our righteousness, our taqwa, obeying Allah, you know, obeying his laws. Um, so, so then what would you, um, like, yeah, there was a, this is such good, just a few days ago, I came across this documentary. It was about, there's a really big mosque in Birmingham called, it's called in Birmingham, UK, um, called the Birmingham Central Mosque. And it's like, mashallah, humongous. And inside there, they've got a, um, a matrimonial service that they do. And it's run by volunteers and um like all like kind of old uncles about four or five of them and they've and i it just made me so hopeful um and happy to see them they they basically have folders and they take people's details and they're trying to help people in the community get married um and i thought mashallah that is that is really good that's the kind of stuff that we need and when they were talking they were really saying yeah if we don't do this what's going to happen to our kids who how are they going to get married what's going to, you know they're going to end up dating and that's haram and what are we gonna and then what are we going to say oh why did you go and get a girlfriend a boyfriend and we didn't do anything to help them mm -hmm. so, so would you say what kind of things do you think or you know um what kind of a community well no, let's say individuals first what can we do to um help you know uh, you know resolve this problem and find some kind of solution for for everyone involved yeah i, I definitely think that we need um more people uh, taking uh the opportunity to create more matchmaking events um opportunities for people to meet within within uh, smaller communities i think it's um we do have you know a lot more online opportunities nowadays but 
it's not really, you know, resolving many problems, like the issue of, uh, you know, biases that come out with, you know, seeing people's photos and, and all of that. Um, I, I, there is one really great online um, effort called I Meet Soul, and it, it's a kind of a blind uh, speed dating where it's, um, you know, you, you don't see anyone's picture, like the video when, when they're putting you in different um, Zoom rooms right now, breakout rooms. Um, and so that's another opportunity to try to, to talk to someone without seeing, you know, knowing their background first. Um, and uh, I think the, the bigger thing is just conversations, having conver uncomfortable conversations about, um, you know, these racial and ethnic biases that people have. Um, with with their parents, um, with family members, and and just you know to also be able to know even maybe before that you meet someone, just when you're thinking about marriage, like asking the parents, what would you consider, you know, why why not, why wouldn't you consider this person, what are what are the reasons, um, and and just increase conversations within our masjid as well. People need to um, like our leaders need to take note of this I, because in the in the wake of uh, George Floyd um, you know increased Black Lives Matter attention um, I think that we are seeing conversations about race in our community come up much more frequently and that's really great but specifically it should be applied within the, the context of marriage um, because you know we can't continue to have a growing functioning Uma with our our families you know our, our uh, young people not being able to create families of their own um, and yet I think conversations are just the key thing that we need to focus on bring attention to the issue yeah that's it because ultimately it's an idea and the ideas need to be changed and because and the good thing about this is you know they when you see some problems in the ummah you think I'm um, you feel a bit hopeless you think I'm what can I do but with this this actually is in our capability because you know the hadith i'm paraphrasing that if you um see an evil you can you should either change it with your hand you should speak out against it you should hate it in your heart now the things that we can us talking about racism in our family and matrimonial racism no one's going to hit us about it. we're not going to get go to jail when nothing bad is going to happen if you have that discussion it's an uncomfortable discussion that's true but being a bit uncomfortable, if it means you can change this evil, and it is an evil at the end of the day, um, because if it's preventing sisters like yourself and other sisters that I know, and I'm sure other people listening know, that they can't get married, that's not, that's, I said that is evil. Um, right. That's not fair. You know, you love for your sister and your brother what you love for yourself. So mm -hmm. I want to get married, I want to have kids, and my sister can't, that, that, that's not right. Um, and you know, we can't play lip service. Like I see in Western liberal society, they play lip service to racism, but then in their actions and in their laws and in the judiciary and in their, and the way they lock up more black people than white people, it shows something different, doesn't it? You know, they mm -hmm. say one thing and they're doing another, but as, so as Muslims, are we going to be guilty of that as well? Because everyone loves telling the story of Bilal, may Allah be pleased with him, but, um, you know, living it is much harder, but our deen isn't just a set of ideas, it's a lived religion. Um, and so, you know, we are capable, that hadith is when you are capable of changing an evil, you should do it. So me, you, and the listeners are capable. So, so then what, what are we gonna say on the day of judgment? I couldn't yeah. be bothered. Is that what we're gonna say? Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, you know, we're gonna be asked about it and it's time to, you know, 
what, what better time than now to speak against the injustice? Yeah. Okay. The thing is that I think, you know, um, you know, this problem doesn't have to continue. And, you know, I, uh, I don't know, maybe in five years, I'm going to be a mother-in-law. So, um, and, and again, I'd really like to say to the listeners, you may be, you're going to be a mother-in-law soon. You, your brother may be getting married soon. Your, um, your sister may be getting married soon. And you can have a part in that marriage process. We, Muslim families do that. We all get involved. We don't, like, you know, it's not like you go and get married at the registry office. We're all involved. So we can be involved and, and um, make a change. Um, and that's the thing that I think we shouldn't, we can't be lazy on this one and say it's someone else's problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I do think it's, but Alhamdulillah, we can do something. So Alhamdulillah, I'd like to think, the take home message for this is that you can do something to change this. This is why, and so when you are in a situation where you can do something, that means you are accountable. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's not a light matter. Um, yeah. But Jazakallah um, Naila, it was, it was so lovely speaking to you. And I'm really, you know, not many people would want to speak about this, actually. Uh, so I think it's, uh, you know, that's another pat on the back for you. When, so, so how's the book coming along that you mentioned? Yeah, um, I, so I finished writing it. Um, I'm looking for a home for it. Uh, so, you know, looking for a publisher to take it on. And inshallah, soon everyone can read it. Um, it, you know, it's, it's important for me to just share the stories that I've, I've found and I've written about of other women um, facing the same difficulties. And, um, you know, talking more about the issue will just like, you know, we, the issues come from cultural problems, um, mm-hmm. systemic cultural problems, but we can have a culture shift if we continue to talk about these issues and share our, our experiences. Yeah. Um, and inshallah, you know, that can, can be a way for us to have a have happier marriage have marriages period yeah yeah that's right because you know there was a, a cultural shift from you know forced arranged marriages used to be the norm right. there's the cultural shift and that's changed now people are against muslims general say no you cannot force your daughter you cannot force your son that's wrong so that's, that's absolutely true it is just a cultural mindset shift mm-hmm. um but alhamdulillah so i just like to uh, do the well for all the sisters who are looking to get married. Inshallah, Naila, may you soon, inshallah, get married as well. May Allah bless you with a, an Islamic mind spouse and all the other sisters that are listening. Um, so, yes, yeah, so alhamdulillah. Um, yes, yeah, so, inshallah, we're going to stay in touch and let me know once the, once the book is out, inshallah. Thank you. I appreciate your time, Farhat. Alhamdulillah. Okay, then, take care. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum soon. This episode is brought to you by farhatamin.com, a website that specializes in Islamic stickers, Muslim activity books, as well as Ramadan and e-decorations. Wholesale and reseller inquiries are also welcome. So visit farhatamin.com today.